Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, welcome to Tag Talk. My name is Kylie. This is Haley. And what a day it's been. So before we get started, I just want to let y'all know that one, right now it's raining. There's a cat meowing outside my door. And Haley's dog is like out and about in her house. So we might have some unintentional disruptions or visitors. But you know what? That's okay. Because that's the Tag Talk spirit. We're just chaos. Um, Yep, she's meowing right now. I don't know if you guys can hear her. But if you can, I'm very sorry. Uh, but anyway, this is our all-in review slash impact review. And listen, all-in was a great show. And I'm really excited to talk about it. We are not, a, we will probably have to talk about CM Punk at some point, but this is not a CM Punk podcast, okay? Because honestly, I don't have the mental space for it right now. I'm preparing for a hurricane. Um, and life is crazy. And that's that. But other than that, Haley, how are you? <laughs> You know, it's been it's been a really a really tough week personally for me. Um, but I'm always excited to you know come on here and talk wrestling with you and everybody else in the chat. So I'm excited. Yeah. If you want your question, your I see Caden just did a super yeah. chat. If you want your question, your comment, whatever, read on air. Make sure to submit a super chat uh, and send us some love because oh. like I'm going through it, guys. Uh, my brain is so fried. I'm so frazzled right now, but I'm here because I love Tag Talk. I love you guys, and I will never pass up an opportunity to talk about All In in this amazing show. So I think we did all of the housekeeping. Caden says, um, well, "I was going to read it so you didn't have to, but you know." Caden says, Will Ospreay is the best wrestler of this generation. I will hear nothing else. Billy Goat crowns up. Uh, you guys should know that before the show, Caden texted me asking to come on to talk about Will Ospreay, and I denied him. <laughs> um, I just want you guys to know that. And also, Will Ospreay is not the best wrestler of his generation. Um, that's a falsehood, a fallacy. But I think if you watch enough Tag Talk, you're well aware of that fact. Um, <laughs> listen. Will Ospreay is not in Kenny Omega's generation. They're a generation removed. But I think we're being objective. The early 30 crowd. I don't think Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in that generation. (laughs) 
Uh, Speedpunk says, I forgot Impact was last night. Watch NWA. I got to check out Impact from last night. I forgot NWA was last night. What? I forgot NWA was last night. And I on this morning, I saw all the um, the Camille stuff, but also the Tyrus stuff. Tyrus getting winded, trying to run the ropes. Yeah, was, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> that, that man was world champion. I, yeah. At least he isn't anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, Doc, our internet dad. Hi, daughters. All in was fun. Match of the night. You know what? We'll get there. We're gonna we're gonna talk all about that. Um, I don't want to spoil what my my match of the night is just yet. So my, you know my my match of the night, just to give us some lighthearted stuff after the uh, the Osprey talk. Mine was the main event. Oh, MJF. <laughs> no, listen, Kenny Omega was great. I think my top three matches of the night were uh, the main event: Adam Cole, MJF, Stadium Stampede. Because that was just such good fun. I really loved it. And um, the Omega trios. I think those were my top three matches. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was something. <laughs> I'm not going to. I Like, I haven't watched a lot of Tyrus wrestle, right? One, because I don't support people that I think are wrong. And two, like, I don't watch a lot of NWA because I don't like it. So when I saw that clip... I was like, how did this man become world champion? And I've seen outrage. Like, I see Kate in the chat. I've, like, seen people be outraged about his wrestling and being world champ and stuff. Um, but I don't know, guys. I don't know. And also, shout out Camille for having an 800-some-odd-day title run that no one talked about. Such a sleeper. And it's such a shame. Like, I, I understand, like, you know, people don't watch NWA. Like, nobody really likes NWA currently as it stands. But like Camille, like such a sleeper, man. NWA is like NWA is like purgatory of wrestling promotion. <laughs> like you go there and then no one hears about you again until you leave. Pretty much. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I I see cards and I see wrestlers and I'm like, I have no idea what this person is doing. And then all of a sudden they're out of NWA and they're doing other stuff and they're lighting the world on fire. It's crazy. Kate says you could watch every match Tyrus had and you still wouldn't have seen him wrestle. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> That's so so true, Kate. So true. Um, but now wasn't it like a retirement stipulation? Now he's retired or something. Allegedly. If I, hope- <laughs> I thought he worked for Fox News now. He does, but you know, oh, I well, just me- right. <laughs> Maybe um, yeah, just go do Fox replace replace uh Tucker Carlson and just be a, an absolute idiot. Uh, before I put oh. in the chat, we got a super chat from Ryan, our Ooh. dad joke of the episode. What do you call a walking stick that makes you walk faster? <laughs> a hurricane. I read that as the outer bands of the storm have reached me, by the way. It is thundering. It is lightning. I have a cat. During this episode. Yeah, I have a cat outside my door. I still have to go to class tonight. Oh, it's a whole thing. But Tyrus is retired. That's the that's the good thing. That's the highlight. And also, this dad joke is pretty good. Oh man, do you hear this cat? I do. She really wants to make her opinions on Tyrus NWA all in. No, known. She's she is scared of storms, and what she wants is to come in here and scream at me until the storm stops. But I'm here doing tag talk, so she cannot scream at me until the storm stops. 
So I don't know. She's gonna have to figure it out. She's she's grown. She's like seven years old. <laughs> That's a grown woman cat. It's a baby. That's a baby human. <laughs> That's a grown woman cat. <laughs> but anyway, back to Impact. Impact had a great show, and I think. You know, we're going to talk about the tag titles, but I think you guys should definitely go check it out because I heard nothing. Granted, I did not watch the whole show because I was tired. Listen, but I heard nothing but great things about the show. And it's talent. Sorry, I'm texting my dad back. Um, but uh, also there's like there's discourse about women's wrestling that I'm just not interested in talking about. But if you want my thoughts on that, you can go to my Twitter and get my thoughts on that. But anyway, Haley and I, this is a tag team wrestling podcast. And when Haley told me this happened, I was so super stoked. So basically it's impact emergence. I think was the show's name. The rascals win the impact tag team title. So if you don't know, if you're like not plugged into impact or maybe you're not plugged into, um, so the rascals and everything that's going on the rascals have kind of been um i guess i would say mainstays of impact wrestling for a long time they've been like really reliable they have great matches and they're super beloved um at least from what i see from fans and everything and well and they just reunited like yeah so the rascals all i could all i could really think about is do you remember they used to do those vignettes where they would sit like that seventy show style. Every time I th- think about the Rascals, I think about how cute they were with their little, when they first started, the little vignettes and everything. But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the Rascals beat Subculture to win the Impact World Tag Team titles. And I am so super stoked. I think the Rascals kind of get, we talked about Camille kind of getting lost in the shuffle. I think the Rascals kind of get lost in the shuffle and, you know, the world of tag team wrestling. Like, there's so many giants of tag team wrestling. Um, not even just an AW, which is so still ridiculously super stacked. We're in WWE. But, like, on the indies and, like, in smaller promotions, there's a lot of tag teams because tag team wrestling is really on an upswing. So, I, I do think the Rascals kind of got lost lost in translation, I guess, I, I would say. And so, them winning the Impact World Tag Team titles, being back in the news and the cycle and, you know, people... I think more people are watching Impact now. I'm excited to see where it goes for them. I think Impact deserves a lot of credit for the shows they've put on this year. I think 2023 has been big for Impact, especially not just in tag, but in the women's division too. You know, the debut of Trinity, uh, the news that Jordan Grace was doing something. I don't know if she's coming coming back. back. She's coming back. I don't know if it's for like a show or she's coming back for a few appearances. I don't know the specifics of it. But Impact has been addressing a lot of, you know, holes, I guess, like plot plot holes in wrestling. And, and Will Osprey's was- coming back. I'm leaving. Uh, goodbye. Thank you for joining Tag Talk. Uh, <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> but no, uh, I'm super proud of the Rascals. Uh, when Impact was in a time period where they were really struggling to get talent, uh, especially when AW first started, and there was that – well. Even before that, I would think the ROH boom when Impact was really struggling. Um, it's people who were like the mainstays who really steered the course, and now Impact is in a good spot. So I'm super proud of them. <coughs> Sorry, I'm like literally. I was literally about to speak, and I started choking. Wow. Um, no, but I feel like Impact. Again, we talk about sleepers. I feel like their tag team division kind of gets like 
overlooked sometimes, you know, like they have a lot of really great teams in there. They have a lot of really great, um, you know, performances on their shows, but I feel like nobody really talks about them that much. And like, granted, maybe it's just my timeline and like nobody's really watching Impact, but I don't know, man. This match was honestly my match of the night. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really happy for the Rascals though. And um, I can't wait to see what they do with the titles. I wish that Subculture would have gotten a little bit more time with it, but they had a fun reign, mm. although it was short. But yeah, I'm excited for the Rascals. They deserve it. They really do. And I also kind of think about the Rascals. They're, you know, they're a great tag team, but I love, um, I guess, wrestling gimmicks, wrestling characters that are sort of fun and they're not necessarily comedy but i guess i'm not sure what the word is like a little bit goofy a little bit more carefree and fun loving and i think that's why i really enjoy the rascals and teams like that especially and you know teams like bussy uh who aren't just like super macho like i'm here to kill people tag teams which are fun but and and you know the young bucks back in the day mostly but even now sort of have that little that fun creativity about them so i really hope the rascals get a lot out of this uh because they deserve it and impact in general uh i really do think impact is doing a lot of great stuff they and a lot of people think that impact is doing worse than it is because their production isn't high value like aew or wwe or maybe their talent are signed to like appearance deals they're not full-time so you don't see the same people necessarily all the time but listen impact is doing great stuff and i think everybody should check it out especially in their women's division and i know you know we don't want to talk about some things in women's wrestling but we did have a women's um tag team match as well it was a four-way between the death dolls mk ultra uh the coven i mean it was a great match i wish that it was longer though i think it was only it was like less than 10 minutes um really yeah and considering the eight man tag got like 20 something i think like i would have liked to see this go a little bit longer um but how do you feel about mk ultra i'm i'm really into them uh when it first happened i was like i would have never put killer kelly and masha together mm-hmm. like but it just makes so much sense and yeah, I love them. I love like the dark feminine energy that they bring. I just think they're so cool. Yeah, I've really enjoyed them. I've really, I think that the risk of take of putting two wrestlers together, especially two wrestlers who were so established as singles competitors like Masha and Killer Kelly, yeah. uh, and had their own, you know, I don't want to say cult followings, but cult followings. Um, it's definitely a risk. It's a creative risk, but. I will say, I feel like they've both really dived into it and taken control of it and put their all into MK Ultra, and I've enjoyed it. I think women's tag kind of it becomes an afterthought, even in division, even in promotions rather that have titles or established uh, women's tag division or something like that. But I really do think that this MK Ultra run, and even before MK Ultra was a thing. I think they've really put impact rather has put a lot of stock into it. And I, I like seeing Masha treated like a star, like someone who can make anything work. Um, Killer Kelly as well, but we kind of got to watch Masha grow um, as, you know, as a person and as a wrestler from the Indies to impact and hopefully beyond. So 
I'm into it. I think I'll be into anything Masha does. Like I, I think Masha. So <laughs> I think I'll just be. I'll just even if it's bad. Like even if it's objectively bad, I'll be like Masha's doing her best to make Masha it work. Masha could do no wrong. In my eyes. <laughs> she's she's giving her all. Um, Killer Kelly as well. I do like Killer Kelly. Uh, that's another one that I think a lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans, have followed from the ground up. Um, so MK Ultra, the name is a, is a little. It's, it's a lot. Thing. Oh. The name is a lot, but you know what? I I think Impact has a gem there. So, fingers crossed. I mean, where do we begin with the rest of the show? I don't even know. Like, so, let's talk about AW All In because I thought All In was a great show. There were obviously some issues, and I've made my thoughts on those issues known on my Twitter. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's also this drama coming out of the show with CM Punk and Jack Perry, which I am so tired of hearing about CM Punk getting in backstage fights and issues and altercations. Like, I'm so done hearing about it. So let's talk about All In and how great of a show it was, because I think every match on this card was good, at least, like bare minimum good. I, there was, I had some different opinions from people and I was a little bit surprised like FTR Young Bucks, and I think I had texted Haley about this. I thought it was weird. Like, the the vibes were a little weird, but other people enjoyed it. So, I say we just take it top to bottom of the card and just just give our thoughts. Okay. Did you say earlier, did you say your match of the night was also the main event, or are you still saving that? No, I said I'm saving my match. Oh, you're still saving it. Are you going to tell us, like, at the very end of the show or when we get to that match? We'll get to it. When we get to it. Okay. So... Let me pull up the card. Okay, Hook versus Jack Perry. I just have to give a shout out. I love that match. And the FTW title is whatever to me. Like, it's just there. It's whatever. I don't, I don't know what it's why it's there. Or I didn't even realize until recently that it was going to be a title that was defended. <laughs> I thought it was just like Hook's little prop. But I will say this match was really excellent. And there's something about Hook and Jack Perry working together like they they have great chemistry and i'm not gonna lie i teared up a little bit seeing them young talent who we've seen grow in aw seeing them wrestle in front of eighty thousand people was super special to me yeah especially hook um i mean what a great moment for him you know to be in front of the fans like that and win this title you know in front of his dad like that had to have meant so much to taz as well um you know, it was, I liked it. It was good. I, I would have maybe left it off the card, to be honest, and put another mm-hmm. women's match here um, and just did this at like all out or something, considering it's this week. Um, but, you know, it was a good addition to the pre-show. I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, yeah. I'm glad they got to show out and play things like that. Yeah. I wanted to get that one out of the way because I know this next mm-hmm. one, Haley has thoughts and opinions on because you're an Aussie open fan. Oh, um, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so we had uh, on the pre-show, the uh, zero hour buy-in, whatever you want to call it. There are which tag team championships. It was MJF and Adam Cole versus Aussie open and MJF and Adam Cole won. They're the new ROH tag team champions, Look, which I, I did not see coming. I was kind of shocked. I was shocked too. I thought for sure we were going to get some shenanigans and then someone was going to get pinned and go into the main event mad, like typical wrestling stuff. I think we even said that last week when we did our review that like 
we figured something like that was going to happen. So when that swerved and they won, I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like, that's weird. And then I was like, they're not going to defend these titles, are they? Like, I don't know. But you know what? I'm okay with it as long as Aussie Open moves into the AEW tag division and does a lot of stuff there. I'm okay with that. I think they will. I think because Aussie Open has really gotten over with AW fans, it would almost be a missed opportunity to keep them in ROH specifically. Not that I don't enjoy ROH, but it is a smaller audience. And Aussie Open is you know, a big audience act by this point, especially because Will Ospreay keeps showing up in AW and, you know, more eyes are on uh, United Empire and all that kind of stuff. But MJF and Adam Cole as ROH Tag Team Champions is weird to me because I'm guessing they're going to be defending these titles at all out on, on AW TV. Like ROH Tag Titles are now going to be part of AW TV again, I, I guess. Because you can't really expect the AW audience to then watch every ROH episode to keep up with the MJF Adam Cole story. It's not; It doesn't make sense. Because, spoiler alert for the main event, by the end of the show, they're friends again. And they're holding up the ROH um, tag belts. So, the story goes on, I guess. Which I kind of like, because I think me and Haley... And as well as most people predicted, this was going to be the end of the friendship. And now they're still going. And I love the lack of predictability. Um, and Adam Cole choosing MJF over Roderick Strong was super emotional. But this was a really great match. Um, I think Aussie Open is... I'm, I'm coming around to Aussie Open still. I'm still kind of like turning the corner on them. Uh, they're good. I really do think they're good. I think they just need to find their footing as a tag team. Like something about them feels a little bit off kilter. I think they're trying to figure out where they stand in AEW and figure out um, who they're going to be in front of this audience. But this was a good match. It was on the pre-show. So I didn't expect much, especially because MJF and Adam Cole were working the main event as well. I didn't expect anything crazy, but it was, you know, good classic storytelling wrestling. I thought it was good. I am glad that they're milking the MJF and Adam Cole stuff, though, because from the beginning, I was like, oh, they should definitely do that. Like, they have a lot of money there, you know, merch-wise, and, you know, I mean, they have yeah. a lot of tickets. Like, a lot of people love them as a tag team, so I'm glad that they're kind of invested in this, too. Um, I don't know, and something about seeing that ROH belt around Adam Cole's waist really yeah. brought a tear to my eye. I was like, wow! I was like, that's who you're meant to be! <laughs> there's just something about there's just I don't know Adam Cole is just synonymous with ROH in my brain mm-hmm. like even when he was at NXT something didn't feel right and now even when he's an AW it feels good because he's you know part of the elite in but it's like I don't know he's born for ROH I kind of feel the same way about CM Punk yeah and and Samoa Joe I guess we'll move into CM Punk Samoa Joe like they're both just in my head so synonymous with ROH and that style of wrestling and that era. So to see them do um, come into all in and do an ROH style match, uh, CM Punk versus Mojo for the, the, what is it? Real world title, real world championship. Um, this was really, really good stuff. I will say, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that Samoa Joe was just so lovable and likable that by the end of the match, he had people who were chanting CM Punk before now booing CM Punk because they wanted Joe to win so bad. They just love seeing CM Punk get absolutely wrecked by Samoa Joe. And this crowd was so great. And this match was so great. And Samoa Joe is 
I, I think the last couple of years, people have said, you know, he's past his prime. He's long gone, whatever. But I think Samoa Joe, if he can pull out one of these matches every now and again, he's so valuable, so worth it. There's something about this generation of wrestlers, the punk um, Samoa Joe generation, because I guess because they were born and raised in ROH, I don't know. But they just do wrestling so nicely. Like, it just fits so well. They're not crazy athletic because they're older, neither of them. They're not, you know, going to do 630s like 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 a Ricochet or a Phoenix That's or something. A Samoa Joe doing a 630. I would, I would fear for his life. If Samoa Joe was like, I'm going up, I'd be like, no, you're not. I would be pulling him back down. <laughs> if I'm Doc Samson, I'm getting on that apron and I'm smacking him down. Yeah. He's not doing a 630. Yeah. If he if he can and he can prove that like he can do it safely, whatever, Samoa Joe, do your 630. Live your life. It's not my life. But um, I don't know. There's just and I can't really put my finger on it. There's just something so different about the way that generation does wrestling. And I really love that both Joe and Punk and uh Adam Cole and other ROH guys from that time period. Um uh, are in AW and could kind of pass that torch to the next generation of ROH guys or to the AW young people, because I think wrestling really does need that kind of gritty, um, unpredictable sort of nasty wrestling style. Every time I go to talk, I like choke. I don't know what's going on with me right now. You're emotional about, um, <laughs> about Vince I am because, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, when I was watching, uh, Joe come out. I was like, how crazy is it that just a couple years ago he was doing like pre shows and stuff for WWE, and mm-hmm. now he's wrestling at Wembley against CM Punk in front of eighty thousand people. Like that's wild. Like if yeah. you would have said that a couple years ago, I would have been like, you're insane. But yeah. Just I don't know. I got really choked up watching him come to the ring. <laughs> just the smile on his face while people are chanting Joe and booing CM Punk, and CM Punk fit into his role. Excellently lapping up those booze. <laughs> the, the John Cena stuff, all that. He really was like, this is who I'm going to be now. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, the backstage thing happened between CM Punk and Jungle Boy because I would have loved to see um, one CM Punk at the United Center for All Out. And also I would love to see that, would have loved to see them work it out and do that feud because I think Jack Perry could learn. I love Jack Perry. But I think he could learn a lot from CM Punk um, and Samoa Joe and uh, that style of wrestling. Uh, Graps on Tap says the Terry Funk tribute too. Yeah. Uh, I, this was just a great match. It was really, for if you're a wrestling historian or you're a wrestling super fan and like me and Haley and you read into like the details of a match for story elements, I think CM Punk and Samoa Joe uh, are two who really do it the best, it's especially because they're not as athletic as they used to be. I think they really leaned into that in this match and it worked in their favor. I, I will say though, I hate the real world championship thing. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. It's, you know, it's, it, it's certainly something. Um, but I, I did miss this from grabs. He also said, cause he was there. Um, he said the crowd was awesome during the Joe vs. Punk match. Constant chance the UK loves them both, but especially loves Joe. And I love seeing wrestlers get their flowers the way people like um, Joe and Punk are. 
um, because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, it always, it doesn't always take something unfortunate to happen for people to get their flowers, but I feel like that's when, you know, a lot of that stuff comes out. So it's nice to see, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that happen. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Somehow this ended up being the card order. Um, The show then immediately goes into Bullet Club Gold. It was a crazy, like, first three matches. Like, I had whiplash. Like, it was just banger after banger after banger. Like, no pun intended. For no good reason. Gang, gang, For Okay, listen. The Bullet Club Gold entrance, incredible. I, listen, Juice, I love him so much. He is so wild and unhinged. But he reminds me of, like, if you were driving down the road and there was a really fluffy little dog. And he was so dirty and matted. But, like, had so much, like, aggression. That, to me, is Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson getting, like, a career upswing in AEW is a blessing. Yes. But also, I was going to say, <laughs> there's a gif of this, actually, a dog. And I think I've used it on Twitter before, but it's like a little rabid dog. And now I'm going to think of Juice every time I use it. That's what I think about. I think about, like, if you grab the dog and he's, like, kicking his legs and trying oh. to bite you. But he's, like, so dirty and grungy. That's Juice Robinson. But this entrance was so good. And also this match was so good. So it was Bullet Club Gold versus Kenny Omega, Hangman, uh, Page, and Kota Ibushi. Um, Hangman was in his element. Uh, and Kota Ibushi, I don't know. It's I think a lot of people are harder on Kota Ibushi than they should be. He's getting older and he wrestles like he's getting older if we're, you know, and it's just finding how to adjust to your body in that age. It's like, we just talked about seeing Punk and Samoa Joe who have learned to adapt to the, you know, limitations of their body in older age. So it's Kota Ibushi just has to get there. It just sucks that we have to witness it in real time. Sort of like the, the confusion and the embarrassment of it, of missing things that normally you would have nailed. But listen, Kotobushi is still an excellent wrestler. So is Kenny Omega. And this match was really good. I we're getting so we're getting Kenny Omega versus Takeshita at All Out. I almost wish it would have been Kenny Omega versus Jay White. Because we never got that match at Impact when Kenny Omega was the belt collector way back in the day. Uh, and I understand the Don Callis thing. And whatever whatever Don Callis is doing, I just let him do it because he's I he's just there. But when they squared up Kenny Omega and Jay White in this match, the crowd went nuts. Like, that is a big match. That is a big money match. And when you have the quick turnarounds of all in to all out, I think you need one of those to really carry all out. Because people just spent money on all in. Who's Who has money to buy another pay-per-view a week later? Um, especially because, especially if you live in the U.S., when pay-per-views are $50 and you either use a VPN or you pay the $50. So well, I Canada, when they're paying exchange rates and everything else, like just crazy. It, it is just, uh, that's another conversation, pay-per-view models and prices and everything. Cause what oh. the heck? Um, but this match was so good and bullet club gold. I had tweeted like I'm back in my bullet club era and it's because bullet club gold and bullet club new Japan are both doing so many fun things. It's like Bullet Club is something you can invest in again. It's not just the sad, the sad boys club after the elite left. It's like it really was sad boys club for a while. Like there was nothing going on for Bullet Club. They were just sad boys. But now it's they're really working to build it into uh like a formidable force again. 
Well, I don't. Bullet Club Gold and Bullet Club New Japan are two separate entities in my mind, but but I think both of them are doing great. And I'm I don't mind the guns being part of Bullet Club Gold anymore. I used to not like it. I really rallied against it. But I think that they're exactly the kind of young, stupid, wacky little boys to be in Bullet Club. And it kind of reminds me of when the Young Bucks first joined Bullet Club. And they were just like cocky, arrogant, young little idiots who got into trouble all the time, but somehow became great wrestlers at the end. That's what it reminds me of. Especially, um, I think the last couple matches they've had with like Kenny Omega and the Elite, I think have been really great. So I'm into it. And also I'm into Jay White. I think AW getting Jay White instead of him going to WWE is, I think is going to be on, on, but honestly, like, I do think Jay White fits WWE. I think his character fits WWE because he's a switchblade, but he's not, he's not like Darby Allen who, or Moxley, who's like bloody gory, like beat you up in the streets. Like he's more cunning and conniving in that way. So he would have fit in WWE. He probably would have been champ. Probably would have wrestled Finn Balor 30 times. Uh, <laughs> he probably uh, gotten an AJ match in there against the OC or something. But I think him being an AW is going to turn out to be one of AW's biggest gets. Especially in this era where WWE isn't releasing everybody and their mother anymore. Uh, so I, I really like this match. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I think you I think you covered literally every single thought I had because like I know how invested we are in, you know, like bullet club lore and like elite stuff and I don't know. I was hoping uh, to see a couple like callbacks and stuff in this match, um, but I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with the Bushi, Hangman, and Kenny together. It was. I was wondering if we were going to see any like any storytelling between like Hangman and Bushi. Um, we didn't really, but I don't know. And that's another thing. I was so happy to see Hangman um in this place i just i love him so much and just to see him wrestle in front of you know a big crowd like this like mm -hmm. the biggest match of his career like that's it's just crazy i just I really love hangman <laughs> yeah there were a couple moments where kenny reached reached for hangman instead of abuchi but other than that i don't think it was that to abuchi hangman rivalry driven yeah. i think this was really a showcase uh, for some, what probably, a showcase it was. Yeah, probably setting up a bigger feud between the groups um, for All Out. But I enjoyed it. It was good. And then we immediately transitioned into the AW World Tag Team Championship match, FTR versus the Young Bucks. I'll let you give your thoughts first on this one. Okay, well, first of all, I thought the placement was a little bit weird on the card. Like, when their entrances hit and they were going third, I was like, this is odd. But yeah. okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna complain. Um, and then the Bucks came out, and I was so confused at first. But then I was like, "Oh, Freddie Mercury, I got it." Okay, I actually really like the gear. So shout out to Denise Cutler um, for killing that again. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I this this was my match of the show. I think. Aside from the main event, because the storytelling in that match was just incredible, I would put this up there. 
Um, and there was a lot of discourse online about this match. Um, and I know Kylie has her thoughts, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked seeing Matt, uh, you know, kick out of the shatter machine and, you know, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. And I thought it was, it was really good. Yeah, there were a lot of callbacks to their previous two matches. Uh, I did think this was the weakest of the trilogy. Um, it was good, but there was a lot of, like, I, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. There's a lot of moments where I felt like Dax especially uh, was, and, you know, they're in England. There's jet lag and all that kind of stuff. But it just seemed like they were just moving in slow motion and just going through it. Um I think Cash and Nick really got fired up and really carried the tone of the match. And I think we texted each other during it, or maybe I was texting your sister or something, but I had noted, I was like, Matt is going really slow too. And I was like, (laughs) he must've been exhausted or something. I don't know. It was, there were some spots where I was like, "Eh, it's a little. Yeah. Especially that section where it was like three or four minutes and they, it was Matt and Dax and they were just exchanging suplexes. Yeah, Like, it was, oh, here's a Northern Lights, here's a German, here's a Northern Lights, here's a German. And Matt would, like, do the roll-through for the next Northern Lights, and they're shaky and not getting up. Yeah, Matt was winded. Well, and, like, commentary was like, oh, Dax is trying to get him in a hold, uh, like, um, for the guillotine. But I was like, it didn't look like that. It looked to me like they were just not connecting on that sequence. It was a good match. Like, there's no way these two teams could ever have a bad match together. Um, But I did think it was the weakest of the trilogy. And I do think FTR retaining is the wrong move. I think, apart from Cash Wheeler's extracurriculars, I think there's more value in the Young Bucks winning this match and um, going on to do great things. Because then you can build, for uh, which I don't think is going to happen now because of CM Punk doing CM Punk things. Um CMFTR versus the Elite. I think them going for the retribution of the tag titles would make more sense. But FTR, I don't know where you go from then after here. Um, I don't know what, what you're going to do with Cash Wheeler. I <laughs> They're tag champs. I guess they're going to have a match at All Out against someone. Um, Graps on tap says, the match took a while to get cooking, but the second half was rocking. Yeah, that's the vibe I got. It was a. I, I mean, mean, there were definitely other matches on the card where I was like, eh, "This is not great," um, but I thought I thought this it wasn't horrible. But it, like you said, it was the weakest of the trilogy. I I will always say that their second match is the mm-hmm. best. I think. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of the issues with like the energy and the vibe kind of get exposed because Nick Jackson was just on another level. Like Nick Jackson. Was He's like insane. I don't know. He was like a kid on uh, like on a sugar high. He was going crazy, and I think I think he really highlighted the lack of energy from Matt because Nick is you know he's doing this her karana and this moon salt and doing this and doing that and Cash is like spearing people <laughs> and, and Matt and Dax are like exchanging suplexes for a long time for no reason. <laughs> So it was really like a tale of two wrestling styles, but it wasn't like the Young Bucks FTR. It was like Nick and Cash versus Matt and Dax. It was like so bizarre in that way. I think the story just didn't click for me. Um, But it's the Young Bucks and FTR, and I'll I'll never turn down the Young Bucks and FTR. 
I just don't know where the tag division goes from here. Because uh, the Young Bucks said we're back in the tag division. They failed to win the titles. So I'm guessing they'll be back as part of the uh, Bullet Club Gold feud. I don't know. And FGR, like, on collision, there's really no one lined up after the Young Bucks for All Out. So I don't know. Maybe, listen, if they just give us a random team, just give us Butcher the Blade and let them have a great match. Give me Aussie Open. <laughs> but I don't know how you justify it, like, storyline-wise. You don't have to. You don't have to. Just, just, just do an just open challenge. There, get them. Give them the titles, and I'll be I'll be fine. <laughs> That's what I want. Okay? That's literally they, I, I guess they could just do an open challenge at All Out and just give them the the spot but anyway after the match they don't shake hands so they're still leaving the door open for another one i guess or a cmftr elite feud i don't know um but it was good the next match i really enjoyed is stadium stampede i listen okay so it was uh best friends orange cassidy let me look at the list to make sure i don't forget anyone uh (laughs) Yeah, so it's the best friends team, Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, uh, versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, w- with Santana Ortiz, who I'm not sure are... I don't think they're part of the Blackpool Combat Club. I think they're just friends of the Blackpool Combat Club. Regardless, I this was a riot. This was such great fun. Eddie was on another level the whole match. Penta did a costume change. That Super Bowl-ass costume change. He... <laughs> I didn't even realize he wasn't there, and then all of a sudden the music hit, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was, I was like, "Oh!" And then Excalibur's like, like trying to sell it and introduce it, but I'm like, he just changed his clothes, <laughs> but because he, they had done a thing where he like got injured and got carted off, so it's like he's coming back from the dead. Um, it was great fun. It was good. There were skewers. There were that weapons cut, like breaking in half. Oh my god! Everybody was bleeding. Yeah. Trent did this wild yeah, Trent did this wild moonsault and I was like, why doesn't he do that more often? Sue had a a oh giant goodness. van. The a cookies. giant van. The cookies. Yeah, and she got kissed. And then <laughs> John Moxley. And then Trent beats up John Moxley for kissing his mom for some reason. And then it's it was a lot. There was a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts. But I love the chaos of Stadium Stampede. Stadium Stampede, Anarchy in the Arena. I just love these matches. They're so wild. Um, And it was just a great match. And I think coming out of it, I think the best friends really deserve something. Whether that's best friends as a trio unit with Orange Cassidy or best friends just uh, Chuck and Trent. Whatever you want to do, I think they deserve something. Uh, Maybe you do FTR best friends at All Out. Maybe that's the move. Uh, Regardless, though, I think that best friends and Trent especially in this match really moved up I think in the eyes of a lot of people uh Orange Cassidy is it's probably solidified as a guy you can always depend on uh, I mean, the man has like 50 title defenses yeah and he's just he he basically has proven that he can do every style of wrestling he can do comedy he can do the serious singles he can do tag he can do this wacky steam stampede nonsense so Orange Cassidy I remember when he came to AW and he had so many naysayers. And they were they were like, this guy is such a joke. He can't wrestle. Proving and honestly, even when he won the title, I remember a lot of people saying the same thing. But like, 
I mean, look at him now. Yeah. He's good. And Eddie's being Eddie. I love Eddie Kingston. I'm so glad he's back in AEW. Uh, from the Renee uh, sort of promo interview thing, you know, really snapping at her, getting mad at her, to this where he's absolutely just storming to the ring. He's covered in blood. He's beating everyone up. Eddie is just such a star. And hearing 80,000 people chant Eddie was like, that's a highlight of the show for me. Eddie Kingston just being absolutely adored regardless of what he does or what he says. And I think back to when um, Pandemic AW, when he had like Eddie Kingston's family and he was a heel and it wasn't really working to now. Like he's such a natural baby face. He just fits that role so well because you want to root for a guy like Eddie who's dedicated to his family and his friends, who is just so passionate about what he does, who will stop at nothing to do the right thing or to, you know, win a title to get what he wants. I just, Eddie was a real star in this for me. I agree. Um, I just, I love Eddie too. Um, And like you said, a natural baby face. Um, I don't know. I just, the ending though, um, with Mox and Eddie in the ring and he's like sticking up his middle finger. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. And Eddie has so many enemies. And Claudio to Moxley, he just has so many people who are just not on his side anymore. But, you know, Eddie, I'm on your side. And apparently 80,000 people are on Eddie's side. So Eddie needs a good match at uh, All Out. I don't know what it would be. I would love to do Eddie Claudio just because I would love to see it uh, live. Because we're going to be at All Out. I would love to see it live, I should say. But... Regardless, I think Eddie is one of those guys like Orange Cassidy who's really proven to be a staple of AEW and someone who can be relied on. So Stadium Stampede is a winner in my eyes. I will never not enjoy Stadium Stampede. Oh, sorry. Did you have? I was going to move on to the women's match. But you have okay. Listen, this was a lot. So... The one women's match on the card was a four-way. It was Soraya, Tony Storm, Burt Baker, and uh, Sheeta for the women's world title. And Soraya won. And listen, I had tweeted that Sheeta deserved more than a transitional run, and I stand by it. He, people were telling me, well, they needed the moment of Soraya winning because her family was there, and you can do cutesy stuff with the fireworks and everything. But if you book wrestling solely for moments, you will run out of things to do. And I I don't think Soraya should be champion. I think that Sheeta as champion, people were really excited about it. And I think, especially with Mercedes being there, and she's not cleared, but coming into AEW, presumably, for some appearances or some matches or whatever they want to do with her, I think Mercedes-Soraya is, is a match that you should book. I think people would be into it. I don't think it needs to be... I don't think Soraya needs the title to wrestle Mercedes. I think Sheeta needs a title to wrestle Mercedes. I think Mercedes challenging for the title uh, gets Soraya in that match easy. And I think that's a bigger match, a better match than Soraya uh, Mercedes. That's just my opinion. I know people who were excited for Soraya and excited about Soraya. And you you have every right to be excited. Um, but I'm just a little dis- disheartened by it. Hmm. 
I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this without getting myself in trouble. Um, okay. Well, for me, I feel like there was a lot of disappointment um, regarding the women on this show. First of all, the match was less than 10 minutes, and it's your only women's match on the card. And you have these four women who are main event level women. I mean, it, it doesn't get any bigger than them in the company, really. And it was like an eight minute match. So that was my first gripe that I had. <laughs> my second gripe is Sheeta not retaining. Um, especially all she did during the pandemic to carry the women's division in AEW. I thought that, you know, she was going to get this run as a thank you for, you know, servicing AEW um, during the pandemic. And then just like she, I think she had one successful title defense and then lost the title again. Kind of a bum. Kind of a bummer. Um, I don't know. I'm happy for Soraya because, you know, she she has gone through a lot with her career and, you know, her injuries and everything. And, you know, I sympathize with that. And, you know, coming back and, you know, not a lot of people can say that they can come back from an injury like that and win a, mm -hmm. a world championship. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for her in that regard. But personally, I it's not the choice I would have made. It was certainly a choice. And it's not the choice I would have made. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been trying to, like, think through and process the logic of it. And I understand that you want the moment and the sort of the legend of Soraya coming back from a career-ending injury, winning the title, being a star, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't understand, then, why Sheeta would have won the title at all. Why yeah, the why didn't they just do why was it Soraya? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did in the match tell the story of like the fractured outcast, like that faction. And so I don't understand then why Soraya gets embarrassed like this, which I'm not saying that Sheeta was embarrassed. I know Sheeta had tweeted some stuff about feeling disheartened, feeling maybe like she doesn't want to uh, wrestle anymore, all that kind of stuff, um, which is totally kayfabe. It's her story. But I think it's a little bit, it's weird. It's like such a weird booking decision to have Sheeta win just to put Tony in this match and then have Soraya win it by beating Tony and over like the whole match was Soraya versus Tony anyway. Yeah. And I feel like honestly, it, it, the story would have been better if Tony was still champion and you had that kind of inner fighting, you know, like, I just yeah, feel like yeah. if you're going to tell the same story anyway, I feel like there's more that they could have told with Tony as champion. Yeah, and then you could have done, like, through the end of the year, Soraya versus Sheeta as the feud, because uh, Sheeta still does have that beef with Soraya from way before the Outcasts were formed. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't follow the logic of this booking from Tony to Soraya. I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't really even understand why Britt Baker was there. Because she was part of the Outcast feud, but I saw a lot of stuff just gets lost in translation here. I think it's just poorly booked. I don't understand. I don't. I do not follow. I am confused. Yeah, uh, it, it was just. It was a very disheartening thing. Um, I, I wish that they would have gotten a little bit more time, though, for sure. Um, I feel like eight minutes for four of your, you know, top women is kind of embarrassing um mm -hmm. and you know i don't know 
he didn't want to disrupt the flow of his show. So who am I to, you know, whatever. It's ridiculous, though, when you consider that Chris Statt and Athena are both champions and they're both doing really well in their roles and they would disrupt the flow of the show. And, like, we saw Soraya had Queen as uh, Wheel Rocky was her entrance music. Oh, slap to Emmy, I swear. Honestly, it's, yeah. I was I like, oh, about. Yeah. You had the Young Box dressing as Freddie Mercury yeah. and you had JR making weird questions about Freddie Mercury. <laughs> And it's like, where's Emmy? Because you could have done Athena versus Emmy or Chris Statlander versus Emmy, and it would have been great because the entire arena would have gotten to do the We Will Rock You, and it wouldn't have had to be for Soraya, a heel. I don't know. It was weird. And the whole women's division is super weird right now. I don't understand. I'm not following. And, and disrupt the flow of the show. The show, if you look at the card from top to bottom, it was not well organized. Like, there's no reason why we had to go from CM Punk to Bullet Club to FTR to Stadium Stampede. Like, that was exhausting. <laughs> and then the women get eight minutes, and then, oh, boom, we're back with a coffin match. Yeah. It felt like a cool-off. And it, yeah. it was like, the women is a cool-off? Like, that's crazy. Like <laughs> The young books always go in the second half of the card. Yeah. So if you had switched them, it would have been way better. Yeah. I just, I didn't understand. I did not follow flow and time and pacing whatever this was not a well-paced show it was good it was an excellent show the wrestling was top tier but aw shows are never well-paced that's an excuse like these shows are never like greatly structured that's a lot that has never happened but anyway this was a fine match it was whatever the whole women's division is in the dumpster though i don't understand anything that's going on and now for some reason to the end of the year, we have like 200 pay-per-views and special events. We have like All Out. We have Stadium, not Stadium Stampede. We have Grand Slam. <laughs> we have um, Wrestle Dream. We have Full Gear. We'll probably have more specials in December. I don't understand. AW, your whole year isn't even well paced. We have like no, we have like two pay-per-views before June. And then June to December is like a pay-per-view every month. I don't understand it. <laughs> Could not you have Forbidden Door and All In and Wrestle Dream? That's three more pay per views to your schedule. Well, and they also have what Winter is Coming. They also have that. I just it's whatever. It's that's it's Sting's debut. That's all I know about Winter's Coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I care about. Um, but anyway, the coffin match was Sting and Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. I really liked this because I really like Christian in this role. And I liked that he's he keeps telling people and, and telling Swerve, you'll never be like me because I'm TNT champion, even though Luchasaurus is TNT champion. Um, just absolutely being rude and mean and vicious. And I would have liked to see Swerve and Air Fox because I really do. I did love AR Fox in um, the Mogul Embassy. I thought that was like a natural fit. And I love those two together. I thought they worked really well together, but it's whatever. Um, this coffin match was fun. I love Sting getting some moments as Joker Sting. I loved uh, him stopping the closing of the coffin with the baseball bat. Thought that was good. Don't understand how a baseball bat stops the coffin closing, but not swerves hair. I'm yeah. not sure. I feel it like that. We, yeah, we should. It was. We should roll the tape, maybe like, you know, get some, get that decision evaluated. But this was fun. Darby Allen did Darby Allen stuff, took um, 
a coffin coffin drop to a coffin on the outside of the ring. My but... back hurt. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to do that? Like who sits and thinks like, oh, I'm gonna and I'm like, gonna drive this coffin. It's like logically, did it really make that much sense? No. But like it's Darby and he's gonna do Darby things. And I don't know. My back hurt though watching him do that. I was like, just close, just close it normally. Like, why oh, do we have to do a coffin drop out of a coffin? <laughs> yeah, just just be normal for once. Like, it's already a coffin match. It's already weird. Yeah. You're like putting people in a grave, essentially, and you're gonna put yourself in a grave. Okay. Um, totally one, that's for sure. Nick Wayne made an appearance. Oh, I was, was so, I yes, which was good, good fun. Luchasaurus, you know, took care of him though. But this was fun. I thought it, you know, it did what it needed to do. Uh, Sting having these matches is kind of a blessing in 2023. I am savoring every moment we have with him. Uh, and Swerve getting to wrestle against Darby, who is a bona fide AW homegrown star, and Sting, who's a legend of wrestling. Swerve getting to wrestle them in front of 80,000 people in London is a big deal. And Christian is there. Christian is always going to be there. Christian is I, I love this Christian Cage. I cannot say it enough. I say it every tag talk, but I love him. So this was good to me. I liked it. Uh, and we also have to talk about Sting coming out to Seek and Destroy by Metallica. Oh, my, I totally oh, forgot. God. Listen, I I wasn't sure like how entrances and things were going to go for the show, but I'm so glad that Tony shelled, <laughs> shelled out money for these entrances because it just really made it so special. And hearing the riff, oh, my God, I was like, I was headbanging. I was going literally absolutely insane. It was it was top notch. I was a little upset because Soraya had a We Will Rock You and then she had her normal music when she won. I kind of hoped we would have had Seek and Destroy and then Darby's music just because I think Darby's music in that stadium with that crowd would have been really fun to hear because it's so bass heavy. Um, but it was good. You can have Seek and Destroy. I'll give it to you. It's a special moment for Sting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can have it. It's okay. Uh, this match was good, though. It was it, it was a coffin match. Like, you can't expect, you know, greatness. You can't, I think they are great. Everybody here is great, but you know what I mean. Um, and then we had Will Ospreay, Chris Jericho, which Chris Jericho living out his rock star dreams. <laughs> Singing himself to the ring, first of all, with his band. And the crowd singing Judas, which didn't come across well on uh, on the stream, the pay-per-view. But in I've seen videos. The crowd was super loud. Um, this match was good. I thought Will Ospreay and J- Chris Jericho both were good. It was I wasn't that invested in this match at all. I just because I don't typically I don't enjoy Will Ospreay, and typically I don't like Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara that whole dynamic and Chris Jericho matches to me, they're kind of hit or miss. So this was fine. It was good. I think Will Ospreay's entrance and his performance in this match to me says that he's going to be big for AW moving forward, whether that's he's signing to AW or he comes in for big match appearances, regardless of what it is. I think this was a Will Ospreay showcase and I think it did what it needed to do. Well, for, where do I even start? First of all, I want to start with the Fozzy thing because, listen, so weird. honestly, honestly, though, like, if I had a band or, like, whatever, like, I would want 
to add that to my Wikipedia. So I would totally also do that if I was if I was Kristjerko, like I would do that. But but oh man, yeah, Osprey's entrance. Honestly, it's up there for me with um, entrances of the year. I just star making, like or not star making, but I mean, just like you said, definitely going to be um, a big player in AEW moving forward. Um, just the pyro, him coming out to elevated the gear. I loved his gear. I thought it was so sick. Um, the match, I thought it was fine. Um, I feel like their styles, I don't know. I felt like there was a lot of times where Osprey was kind of having to carry a lot of the weight with Jericho. Mm. Uh, but I feel like that's just the nature of Osprey. He's just the way he wrestles and how conditioned he is. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even think I could keep up with him in the ring. So I <laughs> But, no, it was a good match. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was happy that he got this moment, though. Oh, 100%. And I think that's... I think Osprey would have to carry a lot of this, the weight of, like, doing spots and also yeah. the weight of being Will Osprey because I don't think in 2023 Chris Jericho is going to be able to work a Will Osprey-paced match. No. Like even even when Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega wrestle, where yeah. Kenny Omega wrestles kind of the same pace as Will Ospreay, Kenny slows down. Uh, even way back when, when they wrestled in New Japan, it's you know matching that style. But I think Will Ospreay, when he had to be slowed down, but I think he still got in his high spots here and his sort of Will mm-hmm. Ospreay style stuff. So I, it was definitely a showcase for him. And Chris Jericho is just excellent at doing these little uh, showcase situations for younger talent i think he's done a great job and then at the end the tension between sammy and chris jericho i'm not that into the story i think i'm kind of over it i'm it, it is what it is um but hopefully sammy is off on his own now question mark but this was fine it was a good it was a good match before the main event which i loved so the main event was mjf versus adam cole for the aw world championship it was a story of friends fighting each other, almost losing themselves, and they're coming back together at the end. Um, they put the shirts on. MJF rips his shirt off. Uh, the Roderick Strong is there, being you know, telling Adam Cole, "I'm your best friend. Love me, choose me." Meredith Grey style it was so. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adam Cole doesn't choose Roderick Strong, despite losing to MJF. He ends up siding with MJF at the end, at least for now. There was a weird, like, double pin reversed into, like, a a sudden death situation, which was hokey and goofy, but I kind of loved it at the same time just because I was so into this match. Uh, And it was just in-ring excellent. Like, it's MJF and Adam Cole, of course, is going to be excellent. And at the end, Adam Cole's, like, crying because he lost. And MJF's, like, trying to console him. He's like, it's okay, buddy. Like, it's really okay. Like, these people still love you. You really won in the end because look how much they love you. And seeing MJF like that was, I was, if I felt like I was seeing something I wasn't supposed to see, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I am not supposed to be here right now. Like, that let me was, look like, very away. intimate. Like, <laughs> the way he was talking to Adam Cole, yeah. like, he was like, it's, it's so, it's so soft. And like, and then, Adam Cole, you know, throws the ROH belt. He's mad because he lost. And MJF's like, okay, then hit me. He gives him the AW title. He's like, hit me. 
And then MJF's like, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I believed it. I'm so stupid, which I was, again, like, I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to see. <laughs> um, but no, this was just, I loved it. I'm a sucker for, like, teen drama wrestling stories. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, no, I did too. And uh, I also, I wanted to talk about MJF's entrance for a second because First of all, I thought it was great. I think his pay-per-view entrances lately have really been, like, a step up. Um, but, I don't know, just, like, the like the purple, it felt so, like, regal. And, like, listen, I really wanted Adam Cole to win, okay? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. Like, I would love to see Adam Cole with the AEW World Championship. Like, I would absolutely love that. But I'm glad that they're, again, milking this story. Um and I think it's kind of interesting that this has taken on, like, it's become, like, AEW's version of, like, the Bloodline story. <laughs> like, yeah. But the fact that, like, they've done so much with the story in so little time, and it's gotten people so invested in the Bloodline took It's taken, like, years, I years of building. It's, like, kind of crazy. <laughs> I... I was of and I really did believe that Adam Cole being world champion and turning on MJF was like the best way to go. But after this angle, I don't want this story to end. Like I MJF as a baby face is so weird, but I'm so into it. Especially because he's still MJF. Like he's still doing MJF things. Like he's holding tights and you know cutting promos where he makes fun of fans and do being MJF. But for some reason now it's okay. And I love him for it because he's just flawed. You know, we all have our flaws, but he loves Adam Cole. So it's okay that he's like this because he loves Adam Cole. And Roddy being the jealous friend who never goes away is so funny. He was such a pick me. He was such a pick me. Like it was such a Like no offense to Roddy, but it was so loser energy. (laughs) He shows up in his neck brace. So he flew to England in a neck brace to be there to convince Adam Cole to love him. The way, have you seen the video of him, like, marching to the back? No. There's a video of him um, circulating on uh, Twitter of him, like, after he, like, Adam, like, ejects him and, like, makes him leave, whatever. And he's, like, marching to the back. And it's, it reminds me of that video of Cody that went viral a couple months ago. Oh, my like, God. Him, like, <laughs> Speaking of Cody, I kind of felt like MJF's entrance was like a subtle tribute to Cody with the throne from Cody. Um, yeah, it was very Triple And then there's like girls bowing on the ground, which is so MJF. But like what I said, yes, flaws. Did the girl get hit with the? With the yes. Ball? So the white like frame. Yes. She got. She went. That's what that thing. I hope she's okay. <laughs> I don't think so, but it's her fault because she she was like in front of it. The other girl was like behind it. So it's her fault. But this was such a great main event. I'm so into it. And Adam Cole being going from people saying this guy is too small to main event WrestleMania to main eventing a show that's bigger than WrestleMania size wise, uh, I think is so special. And I think it says a lot that MJF is now in a place where he's in the biggest story in AW, one of the biggest stories in wrestling. He's the world champion. And he somehow making it work as not even a tweener. He's a baby face who's just a jerk, but somehow it works and people love him for it. Um, so that's a huge credit to him. 
And I, when MJF, either regardless of how it ends, MJF turns on Adam Cole or Adam Cole turns on MJF, I know I'm going to be devastated. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so emotional. And the fact that now they have, you know, the ROH tag belts and like, they're really going to extend this story. Like, I'm so scared. I feel like I'm going to sob. <laughs> like, and I, think, I think back to um, Adam Cole does Twitch streams where he plays video games. Uh, and uh, in one of the streams, he's just playing a game. And MJF calls him. <laughs> and it's like, we need to talk about our strategy for the tag tournament. And Adam Cole's like, hi, um, I'm not talking about wrestling right now because I do video games and then I do wrestling and they're separate things. And MJF's like, Anyway, let's talk about what we're going to do. Um, going from that to MGF consoling him while he cries in front of 80,000 people and however many more who bought the pay-per-view. Uh, it's really special. I really enjoyed it. So overall, I really loved All In. I thought it was a great second edition of the original All In. And I'm curious to see what AW manages to wrangle together for All Out. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild week. It is, and you know we're both gonna be there. And I feel like this is a good time to say that we are filming a special together um, <coughs> in Chicago. Um, so that'll either go up sometime on Saturday if I can get it, um, or like Sunday morning. But it's gonna be like our All Out preview. Um, so definitely check that out two episodes of Tag Talk in a week, and then we'll be back Monday for for our regularly scheduled Tag Talk. Y'all just can't get rid of us. I'm sorry. Listen, I, I don't want them to get rid of us. But you know I what? Want- I feel like we've taken so much time off for, like, mental health days or, like, you know, just, like, work things that, like... We owe them. <laughs> we do. We owe them. <laughs> we, owe them. <laughs> we owe them content. Yes. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for joining us for a little all in review. Uh, this is a lot of fun and it really, listen, it took my mind off the impending doom of this hurricane. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Haley, do you have any final thoughts and your plugs? My final thoughts, man. I don't know. After watching all in, um, I feel like wrestling mostly besides some aspects of it (laughs) is in a really good place. Um, just, you know, seeing everybody come together this weekend and enjoy a really great weekend of wrestling, not just AEW, but Impact, um, and, you know, the Rev Pro show and just all of it. Like, it was really cool to see. Um, and they'll be back in London next year, so I'm excited to see how that goes. And I'm trying to go, so fingers crossed for that. Um, (laughs) please pray for me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I had a really fun show. Um, I definitely needed this after a crazy week of things. Um, thank you guys for always being so supportive and tuning in to Tag Talk every week. I know it's like in the middle of the workday, but the fact that some of you, um, you know, take time to put the stream on and, you know, work and listen to us ramble or, you know, if you're in a different time zone and you're watching it before bed, like it, it really means a lot to both me and Kylie. So thank you. I second everything Haley said. Um, Tech Talk is such an outlet. So thank you guys so much for coming every week and, you know, being in the chat and doing your super chats and letting us know how you feel. Um, I, I truly love doing this show. And All In, 
I feel like was such a great show. And the fact that we could all come together to celebrate like this monumental victory for wrestling in 2023. Uh, it was just such a great highlight for me. Uh, Haley, did you do your plugs? Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Haley Ann underscore. Um, I also wrote a book. It's called Eating the Indies. Um, it's a cookbook with a bunch of independent wrestlers. You can pick it up on Amazon, um, hard copies, and ebook. Um, I also do writing things for Nerds and Beyond in my Substack. That's all linked on my Twitter. So, you know, if you want to find it, it's there. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kylie Wrestling for my, you know, apparently hot takes if I've learned anything over the weekend. Um, this is Fightful Overbooked. This is a channel that is full of amazing content from amazing people. So you should subscribe and go check out some of those shows. Uh, there's Jeremy's here. Joel's here. There's just a lot going on in this channel. So make sure you subscribe. And also this is Tag Talk. We are live every Monday at 3, which is like Haley said, a weird time, but you know, you guys always show up for us. So we're live every Monday at three, uh, typically every Monday at three, I should say, sometimes there are issues, but you need to follow us on Twitter for the communication on those. Uh, we talk tag team wrestling. Not every episode is a review like this. If this is your first time seeing us, but you know, you can expect tag team wrestling and overall, you know, chaos and absolute nonsense, but that's kind of the back talk vibe. So, um, every Monday at three, Fightful Overbooked. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Haley, remember, you have to end the stream because I I have... <laughs> you need I was, to get back in here. I was gone for a month and StreamYard revoked my producer access. So I have to I have to send a message to get uh, my access back. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us and being part of the chat and being part of our show, our little community. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.